Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Imitation. So today I want to share with you a little bit from that first letter to the Thessalonians. We hear in that first letter, we hear Paul saying to the Thessalonians, um, we give thanks to God, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Constantly. This is what God would want for us, that we would be in a constant state of dependence upon him. As we learn about in John 15, where it's described, he is the vine, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. We find our righteousness, our right standing before God in Jesus. We don't accomplish that on our own. We find it in Jesus. We find our eternal life in Jesus. Our hope is in him. We find our joy in Jesus as he accepts us and loves us. We find in him our salvation. And we find in him the guidance we need for life, his stories, his teaching, and his example. So we want to be constantly, as Paul was constantly in prayer for them, we want to be constantly in Jesus, following his example, like when he washed those disciples' feet. Do you remember after he washed those disciples' feet what he said? He said, Love as I have loved you. Imitation. Do what I've said. Do what I've done. Follow follow Jesus. That reminds us of those difficult words of Jesus that I've shared with you before. Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. I didn't see much enthusiasm out there for that one. It's hard to deny yourself, isn't it? When I was thinking about my life this last week and about where I struggle the most, I struggled with this one word, excess. I have an excessive amount of books. I have more than two phones. One works. The other ones are like, "Mm," but they're still there, and I can still do things on them. I have an excessive amount of food an excessive amount of entertainment. And those excesses keep me from following well. It's part of what God's called me to deny as I take up my cross to follow. What's it for you? Our lives are to be lived in imitation. Now, we can't save the world, okay? But we can love and we can serve following the example of Jesus. Remember what Jesus says in Mark 10, verse 45, that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That reminds me of that Philippians 3.10 passage that may come up a little bit later on. Philippians 3.10, that Paul's writing, that I may know him. Again, John 17, verse 3. John writes and he says, this is eternal life. This is eternal life, that we may know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So when you think of eternal life, I always want you to think it's not just quantity, but it's quality. It's not just living forever. It's living knowing him, which we can do already. And so Philippians 3.10, Paul writes and says that I may know him. Why is it so important to know him? How can I imitate Pat if I have no idea what she's going to do? How can I live in joy each day if I have no idea that Jesus... Have you ever lived or been with a person where it was like walking on eggshells? 
That's a miserable experience. I only had to do it one day. I can't believe these people that can do it for months and years, years and years, where they're with somebody that like it's walking on eggshells. How horrible that would be. Do you know what is true about Jesus? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love for us doesn't change. His forgiveness is consistent. His caring, his presence, all of these things are the same. So it's not like, I wonder what Jesus is going to be like today. Always the same. When I know him to be like that, it helps me to have a correct view of God and to live well. And it can help me in my imitation. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. So if that's working, then I want you to think about imitation. Now, I, I can, my wife and I can both imitate the pastor that we worked with in St. Louis when we were there. And he's just a great guy, Right? Yeah, he's just the best. Really, really good. But whenever he would get, become befuddled, I think befuddled is an appropriate word, right? He would go, okay, which is just great. He did it fairly often. It was great. We love seeing it, okay? Now, someone, uh, a former student, I think Jackson might know who this is, Tanner, um, he was imitating me one time. And his imitation of me was, okay, also, um, others, when they imitate me, I, I could not, I did not know I did this for years and years, but they would imitate me and they would say, Gadzooks and Shazam. I'm like, I looked at my wife one time and I said, I say those things? She's like, all the time. I'm like, oh, okay. So if you want to imitate, okay, those are things we can imitate. There was a professor in the seminary where he would walk around with his eyes closed and just, he, he could memorize, he would, he had a photographic memory and he had like Luther's works memorized. And so we could just walk around quoting Luther's works and various things. Just an amazing man. And so people imitated him. Okay? Now, we tend to not want to imitate someone we hate. And so when we get to know Jesus and get to see what he's done for us, we want to imitate him, the one who would lose. Remember Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. You see, denying of self, taking up your cross, that's part of following Jesus. That's part of imitating Jesus. We'll look at that. I want to share with you, there's a plethora of verses that talk about imitation. I just want to read some of them for you. It says this. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So a question I want to ask, and I'll probably ask it again later, okay? Is your life worth imitating? Okay, I love it. I love it, I love it. I appreciate how real you are, because you're not going to be, make big actions, be like, I don't know, maybe. There's a bunch of good looks on your faces. And that's exactly how it's supposed to be, right? Because we are sinner saints, and there's parts of our lives where we're like, I wish people would follow me in this. And there are parts of our life where we say, I wish no one ever saw this or heard about this ever. Ever. That's true of us, right? And so what does it mean here? And how can this impact us today when we think about being those who are imitators of Paul as he imitated Jesus? So that we can be imitating those who went before us so others might imitate us. Like Pat and I did together. And hopefully those who are going before us don't move as quickly as I did for Pat. Made it kind of hard on her. Although I was amazed that you couldn't do the standing on one foot thing. That was interesting. 
Ephesians 5, she can do everything I can't do, so I'm like, I got something. Yes. Ephesians 5, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So be like Jesus, who loves and gives himself up. What does that look like for you? Does it mean abandoning a plan that you might be present with someone in need? Does it mean answering a phone call you may not want to answer? Does it mean offering discipline to someone who needs some loving discipline? Philippians 3.17, Brothers, join in imitating me, Paul says. Paul is not scared to say, come follow me, be like me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. It's always interesting, you know, if, if, if we value the word being in the word, okay, then we would want to be in the word, right? If we value coming to worship, we want to be in worship however we can be and not just blow it off. If Jesus really is the one leading and guiding our lives, then we probably need to know him and what he's doing, right? And how he's changed our lives. Second Thessalonians, so we're looking at 1 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians 3 says this, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. And it's so convicting for me when I read that because there are far too many times when I am idle. There's so many people to connect with at school, so many people to connect with here. We've got a congregation full of people who would love to have more interaction. And when I'm just being idle, that's one of those moments I just assume put aside and have no one see. Hebrews 6, listen to these words. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to those, I'm sorry, to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you might not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Inherit those who are longing to receive the promises. So here's the question for you. Do you live each day mindful of what you will one day receive as your inheritance from Jesus is coming? Jesus will bring that inheritance with us, with him, right? He will come. We will live and reign with him forever. New heavens and new earth. We will have that to come. Does that inspire then how you live each day? Should that inspire how you live each day? Could that inspire how you live each day? Yes. And so mindful of what's coming can guide us how we live today so others might follow us into a joyful, abundant life. And finally, Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, all this talk about imitation, if you had one person that you could imitate, who would it be? And of course, the answer will always be Jesus, right? But someone following Jesus. I don't need you to say their name out loud. I just want you to think about it. Is there anybody 
who's sitting here who can't think of someone they would like to imitate at least in some way. Can you all think of at least one person? Might be a mom or a dad. Might be a former pastor or teacher. Might just be a neighbor who is really awesome. Whoever it might be. Okay. Who will you be that for? Because isn't it great when God says, I have a reason for you to be here. I want you to impact so many people for good. Would you set the example? And you get a chance to do that. And each one of you, I think I've spent time pretty much with each one of you in different circumstances. And each one of you has tremendous gifts to share and a wonderful example to set. Now, who was to imitate Paul as he imitated Christ? Well, verses 4 and 5 of our lesson share that with us. So let's go there if you have a... A bulletin, otherwise I'll just read it for you. It says this. For you know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. So those who were chosen in word, power, and the Holy Spirit, like at Pentecost, where the Spirit came into them. And what happened? When the Spirit came, what happened? They all spoke in different tongues so that everybody who was there could hear the message of Jesus in their own language. They were changed. How else were they changed? Well, if you look at chapter... I'll give you a little bit of homework today. Read Acts chapter 4 and 5. Hear these words, these people, these disciples, before the uh, giving of the Spirit, before the resurrection, actually, they were scared. Jesus was crucified. They're huddled together in a room, scared to death. Because what happened to Jesus might be happening to them. And when the resurrection happened, and then the power of the Spirit happened, they were actually imprisoned. They would be let, let out, and they would go back right out again to do in the temple courts what they were put in prison for doing. No longer scared. They were changed. Do you know that we also are in this process of changing and growing? I ask people who've been here the whole time I've been here, have I changed? And they say, yes. Over the years, God has done some good changing in my life. Am I where I want to be? Not even close. But have I changed over those years? I hope, I hope some for the better. Okay? I think he's done that work in me. So I'm more trusting of him, less performance-oriented. How has God bring, been bringing changes into your life? Are you more dependent on him on a daily basis? Confident in him? Those are things you want people to follow you in doing. Also, listen again to verses 6 and 7. So if you have a bulletin, look at verses 6 and 7 of 1 Thessalonians 1. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. You received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers of Macedonia and Achaia. Just like those first disciples were imprisoned and let out again and then imprisoned and they struggled and they all died a martyr's death. So also these were experiencing much affliction and yet they lived their lives for others to follow. 
Remember how it says in Matthew 28? It says, go and make disciples of all nations. You know what a disciple is, right? We've talked about this numerous times before. A disciple is a follower, a learner and a follower. Okay? And so what are disciples supposed to do? They're supposed to imitate Jesus so that they might make further disciples. Right? So we learn and we follow. So we learn about Jesus so I might know him and I follow him and I call other people, come follow me. I've discovered that I need to be very much a gospel-oriented person. I need to point people to the hope that we have in Jesus, who we're waiting for, who has lived our lives for us perfectly. But I've also found there's a real need, kind of like a, a, a horse. A horse needs a carrot to kind of encourage it on. We need the gospel, right? But what else do we need? We need the carrot and the stick. We need the stick once in a while, don't we? Because the carrot sometimes doesn't interest us very much. And we're like, I just want to rest for a while. I don't want to do anything. Okay? I want to be idle and just sit there. And sometimes we need the stick. We need someone to come along and speak the words, do the actions, whatever it is, to compel us to live that life worthy of imitation. Both are important. Because we live as sinner saints. There wasn't a one of us that was like, yeah, I want everybody to imitate every single thing I do. Were there? Bob, did you say that? No, you didn't say that. Are you sure? Okay, so that's not the whole thing. We need both, right? Because we don't live that absolute perfect life. And so we need both the goodness of the gospel and the law to compel us to those imitation-worthy lives. So how does this happen? Well, again, power of the Holy Spirit changing us, as he did for Paul, as he did for Peter, and the rest of those disciples. So what does this look like, this new life, this life of worthy of imitation? And just look at verses 9 and 10. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned. So these are the other people who've seen the faith of the Thessalonians. Okay, How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. There's the three things I want you to think about. Turning from idols. Turning. You know, that makes me think of The word repentance. Is there room for you to repent every day? Sure, right? We fall short every day. And so we, when we fall short, we might be trusting in something besides Jesus. And so when we repent, we simply turn from whatever it is that we happen to be trusting and turn to follow Jesus. No one here is perfect. I mean, in Jesus, we all are. But on our own, no one is perfect. And so what we need isn't for someone to say, come follow me, look how perfect I am. We need someone to say, come follow me as I live in Christ, which means I'll have room every day for turning back to him. I have some people that I know that don't really know how to repent. And that's okay. Do you know why they don't know how to repent? They don't know they did anything wrong. No one's ever shown them. I didn't ask beforehand, but I think I can use this. Juana, do you remember? Years ago, I asked to come over to your house. Okay? Because I had blown it with her son and said things that weren't appropriate. Okay? So I went over, and I asked him into a room, and just the two of us sat there, and I 
owned my sins and I confessed my sin to that 13-year-old son? Okay. And you know what he did? He forgave me almost before I was done confessing. Now, I don't know if he's a good confessor, okay? But at least I had a chance to share with him, this is how you do it. Are there people in your life that have never been shown how to actually own their sins so they just continually point other people? It's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault. Do you know people like that? Do you ever sin in their midst? Could you ever show them, set the example, so they might imitate you as they learn to deal with their sins appropriately? Serve the living God. Oh, I'm sorry, turning. Part of this turning, what I see so often, is we tend to give ourselves permission in really repenting. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11, these are so powerful. Listen to these words. Godly sorrow brings repentance, that turning, that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you? What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. In other words, when I blow it with Bob, I want to ask for forgiveness, and whatever I've done wrong, if there's anything I can do to heal that, I want to heal it. How many times do we, when we've blown it, we just want to say, Dear God, please forgive me, and I'm I'm done. Don't want to fix anything. Don't want to heal anything. Don't want to take care of this. Don't want to make it right. I just want to do it because, you know, because I'm not saved by my works. So if I respond with Bob and try and make it right with him, I'm not trying to earn salvation. I'm trying to make right the wrong I did. Now, the wrong was taken care of by Jesus. It's forgiven. But wouldn't you appreciate it if I tried to help out with what I did wrong? Like if I used Bob's name in vain or I tore his name down and his reputation down with someone else, would he appreciate it if I went to the people that I spoke ill of Bob with and actually said, that was not right, that was wrong, that was my fault? Wouldn't that be a good thing to do? Is there room in our lives to do that? Wouldn't that be an imitation-worthy thing of doing? Paul writes about it. Can we be eager to make things right? Not to earn forgiveness. We already have that because of Jesus. That's because Jesus lived your life perfectly for you. But it's so that we might honor God by how we love our neighbor. Next, serving. Serving the Lord. And that simply comes with um, Romans 12. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Again, what can I do to serve you? The whole attitude that I go by with, I told a little story um, during this week at Concordia Chapel. It was about a time when my dog and I were out for a walk, and he just put his butt down and said, I'm done walking. Okay? She's only like 16 or 18 pounds, but she was done walking. So something had scared her. I didn't know what it was, and I could get down and try and do different things to get her to come, but she just wouldn't come. And it was morning. I had some other things I needed to get done. I was in a hurry. So I'm like, come on. Okay, and, she, and so I pulled her on over. Okay? She was still really scared. So something, and there's no loud noises, nothing going on. She was still really scared. So then what I thought was, oh, okay. So I reached down, and I picked her up, and I brought her home. 
When I'm in control and it's all about me, just like, do what I say. When I'm into serving the Lord by how I serve other people, sometimes I need to reach down. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? To reach down to us in the middle of our sin, to take us like lost sheep and to carry us home? That's how he served us, that we might be that way with others. And then finally, to wait for his son from heaven. So we get to, first we get to turn, then we get to serve, then we get to wait. And of course, waiting is our favorite word in in America, right? We love to wait. But you know, as we wait, you know what's happening? As we wait, God is at work in the lives of those around us. And what we want to do is we want to set the example of waiting so others learn to wait on Jesus rather than trudge ahead saying, I'll get this done in my power. No, we want to wait. Because when we wait, hope is built. How many of you as kids waited for Christmas? Okay, you know what's so interesting? Between my parents' generation and me, where I am right now, if I want something, guess what I do? I go buy it. For my parents' generation, you know what they did? They waited all year in hopes that they would get it at Christmas. Can you imagine early December, how excited you would be as a kid hoping to get this one thing that you've been waiting almost all year to get, hoping that you might get it? Builds up that anticipation. God, we are waiting on him. Can you imagine how awesome it's going to be when we get that life without sin, without a virus, without masks, without pain, without broken relationships, without sin? How awesome that's going to be one day? And we're waiting for the one who promised. It's not just, will I get it? It's in this package. I might get it, I might not. No, he promised for you. How will you set the imitation today, the example today? Will you turn? Will you serve? Will you wait? Jesus served us. Jesus came to live, die, and rise again that we might do all those things in his strength by his spirit. Amen?